to episode 35 of the Green and Healthy Places podcast, in which we explore the worlds of sustainability and well-being in buildings and interiors. I'm your host, Matt Morley, founder of Biophilico Healthy Buildings and Biofit Wellness Concepts. This week, I'm in the north of England, talking to the Serbian-born Dr. Natasha Lachkovic at the University of Lancaster about mental well-being in universities. Natasha is the Director of the Centre for Higher Education Research and Evaluation, and her research interests include, but are not limited to, student and staff well-being and mental health, as well as visual arts-based pedagogy. I recently participated in a webinar organised by Natasha and the student mental health network, Smarten, that's led by King's College London, in which I contributed a piece on the importance of indoor environments on our mental well-being. That webinar was largely based around Natasha's forthcoming graphic novel on student mental health, in which the themes of biophilic design, connection to nature, in other words, and what she calls materiality were paramount. And that's where our our paths came together in many ways. The parallels between the worlds of work and education immediately surface in the conversation that follows, as I suspected they would. So keep an eye out for those as we go deeper into the topic. There's a lot of runway left in terms of bringing green and healthy design principles into the world of educational environments, i.e. university accommodation and university study spaces. That much is pretty clear to me now. Natasha brings a fresh and reassuringly accessible approach, though, to what can sometimes be a complex and thorny issue to untackle. So if you enjoy the show, please hit subscribe. All the contact details are in the show notes. And now it's over to Dr. Natasha. Natasha, your role as Director of the Centre for Higher Education Research and Evaluation, what does that evolve? What uh, are your responsibilities there? Uh, Okay, so the Centre for Higher Education Research and Evaluation is situated within the Department of Education Research and Lancaster University, so educational research at Lancaster University. Um, it, It is one of the oldest centers in in the world conducting higher education research. We are committed to enhancing and transforming the higher education sector and its role in society, economy and culture. Uh, The center has two directors, so I'm I'm one of uh, the directors, and and center directors provide academic leadership of the center. So this means things such as organizing centers meetings, seminars or webinars, uh, workshops, uh, other things of strategic importance, to the center, um, such as responding to student and staff needs, uh, developing reviews, local international collaborations, um, center's image and its key activities. Um, The center is also associated with um, our research programs in in higher education. Okay, so then that that sets the scene. And then if we go Mm -hmm. a layer deeper (laughs) or start to zero in a bit on this topic that interests me in terms of, of well-being and, and specifically student well-being at universities today. From, from your position, what do you see as being the key issues that are affecting student well-being at university in the UK today? 
Mm, okay, tough question. But uh, I think that one of the key issues is is an increase in, in the demand for student well-being services, uh, which can outweigh the capacity of the services. And, and well-being services are constantly under pressure and, and work at full capacity. Um, another thing is, is that there is a need for a whole university approach to mental health so that it becomes a strategic priority at universities. Um, this, this is part of, of, of the most recent strategic framework called Step Change, Mentally Healthy Universities, published by Universities UK and co-developed with Student Minds University Mental Health Charter. So the strategy means seeing mental health as, as a multifaceted phenomenon, you know, that needs to be tackled across uh, four domains which are learn, work, support, and, and, and live. So, uh, you know, learn, it, it actually tackles, you know, the curriculum and, and how students' learning uh, relates to their mental health and uh, work is linked to um, staff well-being, support, what kind of support is needed uh, to, um, uh, you know, prevent particular uh, conditions, in, in especially prevent suicide and, and live is linked to living uh, conditions and, and student accommodation, for example. So this approach aims to uh, develop structural, um, practical and environmental conditions for healthy universities, which means healthy learning, working, uh, support, living spaces and, and, and lifestyle, I suppose. <laughs> that all sounds fairly new to me. I mean, just as a side note, I mean, gosh, I was at, I was at university like 20 years ago. I don't, <laughs> remember, I don't remember there being any, to be honest, I can't remember if there were any particular mental mm. health issues, at least in terms of mm. my experience or anything that was going on around me or I certainly wasn't conscious of it mm -hmm. at the time like just to understand perhaps a bit of the history like would you say is it a contemporary like recent problem or it's always been there and there's perhaps just more awareness of the issues in terms of student mental well-being today than there were 20 years ago or 40 years ago for the previous generation well I personally think that it has always been there, but probably there is, uh, as, as you say, there is a greater awareness um, these days. And uh, I don't know, perhaps uh, there are different other other um, I, I'd say structural um, influences. You, you know, contemporary uh, pressures uh, that students are facing uh because i i mean can i can i can i just check with you when 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 you studied did you have to uh pay fees and 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 you know students are also now under the pressure to uh repay the the student debt and uh, it's it's difficult you know this this generation of students like the new generations of students um they are in in not they're, they're not in the same position for example to uh find jobs or or get on you know the property ladder for example uh, as it used to be uh you know you 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 you're saying you know you're referring to 20 years ago so um so i think 
these these new um pressures i'd say and 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 now we have you know the the, the covid is is it is it is it covid post covid situation but and and other things that uh are i think increasingly um weighing students I think it's it has been intensified probably uh, over the last I don't know maybe ten fifteen to twenty years. Okay, well let's you mentioned COVID, so let, let's go there because we 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 have to at some point. <laughs> and you know when I talk about workplace wellness, which is typically perhaps more my my field of expertise, here we're going a little bit off piste into into the realms of of universities and and Mm -hmm. educational environments but i think there's a lot of commonalities i think there's a lot of similarities Mm -hmm. between the massive increase in dialogue and debate around mental health in the Mm -hmm. workplace that has emerged over the last 18 months in in response to to covid and when i say you know mental health in the workplace clearly that also means the mental health of those working from home outside of the physical workspace. But there is now a level of acceptance, not just of of the importance of this, this subject in general, but of actually how much work there is to do to, to help and resolve problems. And I think bigger organizations are, uh, there are some who are not doing as much as perhaps they could, but there's certainly some organizations and businesses that are really making massive changes to how they operate and how they address and respond to, and in some senses prevent mental health issues getting out of hand. Uh, Have you seen the same experience in the world of education and particularly UK universities? Has the response been adequate? And perhaps you could describe if it's possible, you know, some of the things that you've seen students going through over the last 18 months, what's their experience been like? Well, I I think, the, the the covid crisis uh, affected students but also staff well-being in in, in profound ways uh, a switch to online learning you know that meant, meant that students had to organize but also staff and their lives i mean our lives and and, and whole university engagement and experience around working and studying from home, you know, or, or being uh, students being isolated, you know, in student accommodation, because um, let's think about uh, students from uh, uh, in, in the UK from far away places, you know, such as China, a lot of students had to actually um, stay um, and, and isolate themselves on campus, for example. So th- there are studies, you know, that show how the COVID crisis um, affected students in, 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 you know, in negative ways. And I can provide the link to, to these studies if, if you wish. Um, but in our, in our project, uh, we did a survey of more than 120 students and, and found that COVID-19 really intensified uh, the importance of healthy and supportive environments uh, you know and and the, this this the importance of space where you live learn and work but also the um, I, I'd say you know the um, blurring of, of the boundaries between work life and learning was difficult and and if, if we talk about students but 
I'm sure uh, the same um, accounts for, for, for staff, the proximity to nature, as well as bringing, um, you know, the nature indoors, you know, through plants or, or, or even engaging with uh, uh, pets, you know, animals that provided a source of comfort, a source of positive, um, positive well-being, uh, positive emotions. Um Yes, yeah, so so it it it, it was a, a struggle for I think a lot of people. Um, yeah, so so that, the, that's so you have the two you have the two big categories there, right? You have the the place student accommodation, which is typically perhaps I'm guessing say the first year of the university experience after which many students, as I remember, then find their own accommodation independently, right? So let's call it that that first year in equivalent of halls but and then the environments themselves on campus so if we look at the accommodation like there seems to be quite a bit of movement in the student accommodation market particularly in the sort of privatization or private real estate developers doing things aimed specifically at students that look really quite revolutionary at least from outside in terms of what's available and that the standard and quality of specifically student accommodation, but operated and managed by what appear to be effectively like independent operators that I don't clearly, I clearly don't remember 20 years ago. So is that, is that a new positive trend that's creating more options for students? Like how, how do you see what's happening specifically in terms of accommodation? Well, um, that is a good question, and although I'm not an expert in that, and I, I, I don't have an in-depth insight or understanding of, of you know, the accommodation services and, and provisions, I, I am aware that there is, uh, you know, some good work and, and, and interest in student well-being uh, uh, in, in, in the organizations such as uh, unite students and um, because you know they cover um, the entire kind of I, I'd say accommodation space or, or landscape uh, in, in the UK kind of different regions and and um, uh, I, I know that they have a very vigorous interest in, in supporting uh, student mental health and uh, improving the conditions, the kind of living conditions for students. For example, I just just wanted to, to illustrate something that I am mm. aware of. And on campus, like how do you see, are, there, are you seeing developments on campus itself in terms of creating environments when you mentioned the idea of of having more nature around Mm -hmm. perhaps taking your pets into the library with you is a bit too much uh, (laughs) for obvious reasons but you know are you seeing change and uh, did you see that there's perhaps you know more uh, effort being made in terms of creating study environments that are productive and uh, promote creativity and productivity or do you think there's still a long way to go in terms of universities in general catching up with perhaps what we're seeing already in in the world of office design mm-hmm. that that's uh, another interesting question matt so i i mean i can i can first of all say a few 
um, you know, reflections in relation to what I am aware um, when, when it comes to Lancaster University. Uh, I started working at Lancaster University in, in 2014, so it has been seven years and, and I have kind of witnessed, you know, the transformation of Lancaster University campus into a uh, uh, um, nicer, I would say, more uh, green and, and uh, well-being um, uh, uh, conducive environment, if that's the right uh, expression. So uh, many, many things uh, that are environmentally friendly and also um you know that take care of of uh, sustainability and and you know the university's outlook towards sustainability were also adopted so you know things like uh trees you know new trees planted uh the the, the university itself is on on a very very uh green uh Fields, you know, situated among the beautiful rolling green hill, green rolling hills um, in in Lancashire, and and that is a, a very, I'd say, uh, nice environment. So it's worth mentioning that there is a big difference between campus-based university spaces, you know, such as Lancaster, and especially you know the the campuses that are uh, situated. Uh, you know, in in the nature is literally that. That's what the case with Lancaster University campus is, and and the campuses that are I don't know, like city based campuses, if that makes sense. So you know, th these are very very different um, types of of university buildings, and and uh, um, they 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 would I, I think look very differently uh, so that's what I can say that I have seen a lot of changes for example you know the refurbishment of the library to to make it uh, a, a kind of nicer environment for students uh, more, more I guess pleasant when it comes to both you know learning but also socializing uh, as well and and um, uh, but but still I guess there is there is much work to be done. Uh, on really um, enhancing, you know, the uh, well-being uh, and sustainability uh, potential and 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 need uh, that that can that can actually improve staff and and uh, students' well-being and mental health. So, yeah, you mentioned it again: there, staff and student mental well-being. And clearly, there's perhaps the temptation just to think of you know, students, but in fact, the ecosystem of of mental well-being on campus or, mm -hmm. or at, at a university is made up of of both those who work there, the staff, and the students. So, do you look at both sides? So, there presumably there are sort of perhaps different issues affecting students versus versus the, the staff, but you, you tend to sort of consider both. Is there a big division between them in terms of how the research is treated, looking at the two different groups? Mm, well, uh, it's, it's true that research can 
separate uh, you know these these two groups but i personally think that we're both you know in the same boat <laughs> okay so uh staff well-being is part and parcel of, of healthy universities right so due to the high workload and and and, and pressures associated with working at universities staff also need support when it comes to healthy working environment and you, you know when it comes not to the healthy working environment, but also tackling student mental health, you know, how we support our students and how we support ourselves and also how we can strike the right balance, you know, the right life work balance. Um, so staff mental health is central to uh, the domain of work I, I referred to earlier, if, if you remember when, when I talked about um, uh, the, that uh, strategic framework, uh, step change, mental health universities and the whole university approach. And um, yeah, so I, I think I think it's, um, uh, it's something that uh, is relevant to both uh, students and staff, uh, but we can probably talk about, uh, you know, different factors, but also a lot of shared factors that uh, that um, uh, con- concern, yeah. you know, those two groups. Yeah. And so you mentioned the the research project that you've recently completed with 120 students. I think you mentioned was yeah. that was that the research project that gave birth to the latest online uh, book that you've published, Things in the Mind? Um, yes, that's right. And uh, for that project, we uh, co-developed uh, a graphic novel together with students about, uh, about their experience of mental health uh, in relation to uh, everyday materiality. And when I say everyday materiality, I'm talking about, I don't know, spaces, places, environments, and everyday personal objects and items. Um, but we didn't only uh, develop the graphic novel, uh, we also um, did a, a student survey in order to understand better how students um, felt and how they experienced their environments and the objects that uh, surround them on, on daily basis. And certainly from what I've seen of, of having uh, read through, I think it was a sort of a pre-release copy that you, you kindly shared with me, but you know, I was, it was fascinating to see some of these themes around what I would call, say, like biophilia, so, so connection to nature mm-hmm. and how you'd picked up in the novel without it being about interior design or architecture. Mm-hmm. And yet there was, you know, it was a recurring theme of the connection between mm-hmm. student mental, like, so the internal well-being yes. and the external spaces in which they're spending their time. Can you talk to us on that theme? Because it, it mm-hmm. came up again and again, and it was it was great for me to see it being positioned in a completely different way to a very new audience because it's mm-hmm. such a it's a topic that's so relevant and you you got there completely organically just through responses from the students it seems yes it was really 
interesting and and exciting and and transformative for all of us to to go through that project it was transformative for me and i also learned a lot from our students co-creators uh, uh, and and uh, you know the role of spaces places and everyday objects that students encounter so in one word materiality um is, is really a new field uh, in, in mental health and and um student mental health research in particular and if, if you if you prefer also educational psychology so um but um it, it is related to an established field of material culture and and, and different approaches that ad- address materiality in human and university experiences you know such as sociomateriality studies for example i mean i won't get into um any 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 uh, detail of, of these approaches. I'm just trying to say that um, what is new in our study um, is, is actually um, exploring everyday environment and objects uh, in the context of mental health and well-being and especially student mental health research. Um, so, you know, there are studies actually that show the role, the positive role of indoor um, places uh, and, and of this is particularly design. You mentioned biophilia, so biophilic design of, of indoor places um, and, uh, you know, how, how they can have uh, positive uh, effects on on uh, well-being and if if there if there are if the conditions uh, the environmental conditions are are not that great then then there is of course negative um, uh, impact on on well-being and mental health so there are lots of things there you know atmosphere the feel of the place and and it's it's such a, an interesting area there are so many things that students uh, referred to ranging, you know, from mugs, you know, to staircases, um, environments such as the gym or the library, um, you know, the canal that is not far from Lancaster University because that's the, um, um, uh, you know, where where our students, participants um, were situated, you know, around. Um, so, a, a really wide range of uh, environments uh, and objects uh, that students actually related to deeply, and and they um, saw their well-being and and lived, you know, authentic mental health experiences through those environments and objects. And for them, that was something new that they actually. You know, before they did that, they hadn't done before, and and that was really transformative for them when we when we asked them, you know, how they felt about it. So I think it's it's a really exciting um, field, and it opens up a lot of um, potential for different avenues, you know, to explore in the future, including, uh, of course, the role of, of of biophilia and biophilic design. I think what's most encouraging about it for me is that, you know, for those of us working in effectively, you know, the field of real estate and mm-hmm. interiors, you know, we can get a little bit myopic. We can sort of, you know, get lost in our own world and, and um, using our own terminology for things. And I think what I got from reading the, the graphic novel online was the 
just how raw it was <laughs> and, and how the students were effectively communicating uh, a very deep instinct. They, they didn't have the terminology that an interior designer or an architect might have, and they didn't mm-hmm. need it, but they still understood something inside them was mm-hmm. telling them that the space around them and their relationship to that space was was vital. And if they got it wrong, if they weren't getting out to walk by the canal or spend time with the dog playing in the park or whatever it might be, it almost became, I think, and, and it was so well communicated in some of the visuals, it became this sort of, oh, messy room, underground, unpleasant gym, no time in nature, negative mental mood state mm-hmm. <laughs> versus positive mental mood state for someone who had a tidy room an organized life and was able to spend some time in nature. And it was just so simple and natural that it clearly came to them without there being any theory behind it. There was, there was, it was a very pure response. I think that would be fair. Yes, absolutely. You put it so well, Matt. So um, I, I, I think this is, this is the power of, visual storytelling as well and and how we worked you know with the students uh because we invited students to uh develop their own scenarios to share their own feelings about how their surrounding environment and everyday objects and personal items that you know they they uh, use uh regularly how that relates to their mental health. And and because that was new to them, it it also posed a kind of creative challenge. And Mm. and I think just as you say, they they really did a wonderful job of almost intuitively uh, presenting something that, uh, you know, we can find evidence uh, on on what they actually expressed in research, but also uh, that aligns with uh, you know the principles of, of biophilia and biophilic design as well. And and uh, for, for for me that was another thing that um, you know fascinated me as as the researcher and kind of project um, investigator. I think in many ways we're we're talking about, or we can we can be in very different fields. Mm-hmm. education, higher education research and evaluation, interior design, workplace well-being, but actually we're often talking about similar things, mm-hmm. perhaps using different language, right. uh, but ultimately getting to similar experiences and and, and trying mm-hmm. to find ways to improve on that um, those physical spaces because once you understand the impact, then you, you, you see how you can make a difference or encourage people to to adapt um yeah uh, their their lifestyle a little bit so what happens next for for your, your you've published the book the, the graphic novel mm-hmm. online like where do you go from here what other projects do you have or do you intend to you're going to evolve what you've done and, and take it forward are you moving on to other projects oh i i would really love to to develop this further so you, you know we recently launched a, a digital resource that embeds a graphic novel uh, and and the the novel let, let's not refer to it as as some uh, kind of unnamed object it's called things and the mind and so um what what happened at the launch we uh had the conversation with you know different uh, stakeholders different 
people and, and professionals uh, interested in uh, student well-being, but also interested in uh, the role of uh, the art, you know, and design in in mental health and well-being. And and I, I think um, that the next step for for the project is to uh, and for me is to continue this work because um, we have had a, a really positive feedback from students and from uh, stakeholders you know, such as well-being services and, and health services um, and and um, uh, at the moment uh, I, I have been uh, developing um, an interactive digital resource uh, that embeds different kinds of um, interactions uh, in order to engage readers, you know, with with the, these different interactions on the selected page of the graphic novel. Of course, if readers choose to interact uh, with, with them, um, and and I can just briefly, uh, you know, sketch what these interactions are. So there are questions to learn about different things, so like uh, multiple choice questions, um, and there are also questions to answer. Uh, by the readers so there are open-ended questions that readers can answer and that help, will help us also collect further data you know deepen our understanding on on, on um, you know students experiences further uh, and and third there are also uh, the so-called information points uh, that offer a diverse range of information and, and side posting for for readers uh, you know who will be students who can be actually any person interested in um, well-being and mental health and the role of uh, everyday environments and, and objects in, in our lives. And this can be also um, embedded in, in the work, you know, and, and, and diverse uh, stakeholders' practices. So I'm very hopeful and, and excited about you know what could happen next uh, Matt yeah well it's a great piece of work I mean it really mm -hmm. is like you know it goes way beyond a static obviously mm -hmm. a print, printed book but also beyond you know even a digital sort of kindle version it very mm -hmm. much becomes somewhere between a website and a and an interactive reading experience so I, I encourage everyone to uh, check it out we'll include a link to Things and the Mind, your latest graphic novel, and probably not the last of your graphic novels. I expect there may be more. We'll uh, link to that in the show notes. Natasha, thank you so much for your time. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for inviting me, Matt. It's been a real joy talking to you. Thank you.